Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to be here standing before you. And as I was preparing for the sermon, I was asking the Lord, what should I share? And uh, I just sensed this phrase, let the altar burn. So let's pray and ask the Lord to burn this altar. Hallelujah. Lord, I just commit this time into your hands, Lord. It is your word. It is your word. Let it come alive. Let it come alive. I just pray right now as I speak the word, Holy Spirit, you will give me the right words. And everyone here will receive something. Everyone online will receive something. No one will go back without receiving something, Lord. Stir up the altar. Stir up the altar in us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The phrase, they built the altar of the Lord, is found in every move of God, at every new beginning, at every defining moment in the Bible. I'm sure all of you have read it. Built, they built an altar. There are about 400 references of altars in the Bible. And what is an altar? It's a structure upon which offerings, such as sacrifices, are made for a religious purpose. It was only, it was usually a raised platform with a flat surface. The Hebrew word for altar is misbeak, which means a place of sacrifice or slaughter. The word altar is first used in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 when Noah, after the flood, they come to the dry land and Noah offers, uh, builds an altar and offers sacrifice. That's the first, uh, the first uh, mention of altar. And what is the response of God? God is, smells this smoothing aroma and he's pleased. What a beautiful phrase that is, no? Just that Noah knew just how to please God. But even in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel had offered sacrifices. But there, even though the word altar is not used, I'm sure they would put it on something and there would have been an altar. So from the beginning, man made altars to, and put sacrifices to please God. An altar always represented a place of consecration. Before God gave his law to Moses, Men made altars wherever they were out of different types of material. When Abraham was called out, Abraham was called out from Ur and then he went to Haran and from Haran, God called him out and he's going into the promised land. And when he went into the promised land at Shechem, God appeared before him. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 7 to 8, it says, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So here we see God is appearing to Abraham. And, and, go, and um, Abraham makes the altar. An altar is a place of encounter. If you want to know who God is, 
you need to build that altar. It's a place of an encounter. And then he goes to Bethel and he builds an altar and he calls on the name of the Lord. What do you mean by calling on the name of the Lord? Is this just saying, God, God? No. Calling on the name of the Lord means to call on the nature of God. Yeah, the name of God indicates the nature of God. Abraham surely after seeing God appearing to him and hearing that revelation, he knew this God. And so the next altar he makes, he makes it and then he calls on the name of the Lord. So an altar is a place of encounter. Then we see Abraham going to Egypt. And as he goes to Egypt, there he's fearful because uh, he's scared that uh, about his beautiful wife Sarah and because of her he might be killed. And he goes through a, a season of unbelief, you could say. But after that, when he comes back, he comes back to Bethel and he remembers he's built an altar there and he comes back and calls on the name of the Lord. And so here, even if you walk, you, you, for a season you may be a, a little away from the Lord or you haven't walked the way the Lord wanted you. There is a place when there is an altar, you can come back there and be restored to the Lord. That is the Lord's thing. And from that time, he was there in Bethel. And that is the altar that Abraham made. Then another altar that we see that Abraham makes is in Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, the Lord says, he's going to test Abraham at the altar. And he asks Abraham to take his son and sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. Just imagine. And Abraham doesn't ask any questions. He just goes. An altar is a place where you would be tested. In uh, Genesis 22, verses 9 to 12, it says, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God since you have not withhold your son, your only son from me. The altar is a place of sacrifice. In the beginning, God didn't ask of him much. He just knew the name of the Lord and he walked with him. But as his walk, this is later on in his life, the Lord said, tested him at the altar. Sometimes in your walk, the Lord will test you at the altar. And the Lord will test whether you know him enough to sacrifice something you, that is dear to you. But in that time, you can always trust God that he will take care of what is yours. And I just see that, I'm just asking, Abraham, how could he do that? How could you give something that was so precious to you? But Abraham just knew the nature of God enough to say that, whatever I give to God, it will be given to me ten times. So whatever you give to God, even though it seems like a sacrifice, will come back in a beautiful way. So Abraham knew that. And so that place, he was willing to sacrifice. So the altar is a place of sacrifice. Now we look at his son, Isaac. So Isaac is a much milder person than Abraham. He's a peace lover. And Isaac, uh, we see that he was asked to stay in Gerar, 
during the time of famine. And God said, sow here. So he sowed in that place and he reaped a hundredfold harvest. And it's at that time, Isaac decides to go and redig some wells. Which of the wells? He goes and redigs the wells that his father had made, but were filled by the Philistines. So he goes there and redigs the well. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be easy to build a new uh, well? Why did he go through the fathers, the same place, visited the same place and redig that? He knew where his, his father's walk with the Lord. And he knew that if he followed those paths, he would find the Lord. So he digs two wells and there's a fight over that. Then he goes to the third well and there's peace. But then he doesn't stop there. He goes to Beersheba. And at Beersheba, God reveals himself to him. It's written in uh, Genesis 26, verses 23 to 25. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. For whose sake? For my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. So the altar is a place where the next generation will find God. I've heard so many testimonies where uh, people who've come to the Lord or serving the Lord would say, when I was a child, my grandparents used to wake up in the morning and pray and worship. And I'm sure at that age, they probably didn't realize what it really meant. But the grandparents had built the altar. And that altar, somehow these kids find their way and they come back to that altar. The generation will find the way to the altar. And that we saw in Isaac's life. And the next is Jacob. Jacob, he, after deceiving his brother of his birthright, his parents say, Go, go, go to Padan Haran and uh, go and go to your uncle's place. It's better for you to go there. And he's on his way. And as he goes there, it's night and he knows he can't reach the place. So he stops there. And then he rests, he takes a stone, he rests his head on it and he sees a dream. And in that dream, he sees a ladder going up to heaven and angels ascending and descending. So the angels were here in, his, in that place. They were ascending and descending. And the Lord speaks to him and confirms what he said to Abraham and Isaac and says, I will give you whatever I spoke to your forefathers. And, that there, and then what do we see? Jacob says in verse 16 to 19, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of that city had been last previously. So Jacob knew that was a place where there was a gate of heaven. When you build an altar, there is a gate to heaven. There is a ladder through which angels ascend and descend. It is there. It is there. 
And so, when you build that altar, you, you open up things in the heavenlies so that his kingdom comes here and his will will be done. And so, with that, Jacob goes on a journey. But many years later, he comes back with all that God has given him. God keeps his promise. He comes back to Bethel and he worships again, knowing that God has done whatever he spoke over him. So, he works through that. The altar is a place of open heavens. In Exodus chapter 20, God gives the law, the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. And then he tells them, now you need to build an altar. Because I know you cannot keep these Ten Commandments. You would need to sacrifice on an altar for forgiveness of your sins. So he says in verses 24 to 25, An altar of earth you shall make for me. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone or cut stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. So here you see that he says, make an altar of stone, don't cut it. And he says, he doesn't say, I'm going to bless the altar. He says, I'm going to bless you. When you make an altar, you are making a way for God to bless you. He says, I will bless you. And he also says, this is the way you have to make it. So there are, there's a way, God has a pattern which things are to be done. And he says, do it this way, even to make an altar, to do it the way the Lord wants, in righteousness and holiness. So that is what God said. And then after that, God asks them to make the tabernacle a place of worship where God would be with them. And the tabernacle had an outer court, a holy place, and the holy of holies. The outer court, there was the, the, bronze, um, the bronze altar, the brazen altar. And here, offerings were made, and the blood, the uh, offerings of animals were made, and the blood was taken to for the cleansing of their sins. And then the animal would be taken out and uh, burnt. So the offerings will happen there. So in Exodus 20, verse 24 to, no, sorry, Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says, And the fire on the altar, he's speaking about the brazen altar, shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. You know, in that passage, God tells them the fire on the altar will be burning. It should never go out. Three times he says that. That the altar should get. And you know that fire was not man-made. God gave the fire. God gave the fire and man had to keep it. Keep on, you know, uh, that fire should never be kept out. So that's how particular he was about the fire on the altar. And then the next place after the outer court is the holy place where there were three things. There was the table of shewbread, there was the golden lamp, and close to the veil, there was the altar of incense. Yeah, so the altar of incense was very close to the veil. Just beyond the veil is the holy of holies, the presence of God. 
And so at that, just close to that, is the altar of incense. And it says in Exodus chapter 30, verses 7 to 9, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps. He shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. So he said, this is the way you need to have this incense. And we know that, we know that incense is like prayer and worship. So he said, you need to have this offering here continually rising up to the Lord. You're not supposed to burn anything on that altar. Specifically, that incense was made of four different things. And God was so special. This is the way it should be done. And you have to let that incense burn throughout your generations. So we see here in the Old Testament, what did the altar mean? The altar was a place of encounter. It was a place where the, where of sacrifice. It was a place where the generations came to know the Lord. It was a place of finding God. It was a place of restoration. Wow, it was a place of blessing. It was a gateway to heaven. That's what the altar was in those days. And you may be asking, what is the significance of the altar today? What is the significance? How important is the altar? In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. The altar is built in our hearts. Hebrews 13, verse 10 and 30. In Hebrews, uh, the book is written to the Jews who have come to faith. And they were very confused. They, they want, they, uh, the, the other Jewish people said, you have to do this. You have to follow this law. You have to, uh, you know, follow all the rules. Then only you will be accepted by God. But the writer of Hebrews was telling them, no, no, that's not the way. There has already been an altar made and a sacrifice has been done. And it says in Hebrews 13 verses 10 to 13, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle, that is those who serve the old legal system, have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. So here we see that the sacrifice is done by Jesus. And he's saying that there is an altar. The cross may be considered as the ultimate expression of the altar. Yeah, the cross is the altar with Jesus Christ as the high priest who has offered the eternal sacrifice once and for all. He's given his life. So the altar is the cross. And, and because of this altar that is in our hearts, so when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're opening your hearts and an altar is built there based on the cross, the gospel. And, and you know that Jesus is the high priest. And that is established, that altar is there, and he has lit the fire. None of us can be saved by our own self, but the Holy Spirit has come and lit that fire. And so what is our responsibility to keep that altar burning? It is our duty to keep that altar burning. My question to you, 
Have you kept that altar burning? Have you kept that altar burning? The, the Lord has built that altar in your heart. Have you kept it? So how do we keep the altar burning? He built the altar in our hearts. Now we keep it burning with the sacrifices of praise, prayer, worship, obedience. Yeah? Praise, first of all. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16 says, Therefore, by him, by whom? By Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So here is saying that not just once in a while, you're not giving the sacrifice occasionally, but how often? Continually. You keep on giving the sacrifice of praise. And how is that? The sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips. It's not something that you keep in your heart. It's something that you have to say out loud. So right now, all of you are so quiet. Respond to that. Are you going to give the sacrifice of praise to God? Yes, yes. So it's not just when things are good. You know, it's easy to give the sacrifice when everything is going well. But when things are not good. You can sacrifice praise. I want to ask you, many days you get up from bed and you and everything seems to be going wrong, isn't it? Do you feel like giving that sacrifice of praise? Everything seems to be a mess, but that's a decision you make. You give that sacrifice of praise continually. I hear, as even I talk to a lot of young people, if you feel so depressed, so, you know, low. But I'm telling you, even when you're feeling depressed, don't look at your feelings and your emotions. Decide to give the sacrifice of praise. And it should be the fruit of your lips. So the thing is, when you speak it, initially you won't feel like it. But if you keep on you know, thinking about the good things God has done, then your body aligns with that. Because your spirit, you started taking you know, your will and saying that I'm going to praise God. You start praising after some time. Actually, it's not such a bad day. Actually, things are good. Actually, there's so much I can be grateful for. So you need to give that sacrifice of praise. And not only that, he says, do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. With your, your encouraging others, you know, strengthening others, those are also sacrifices that God is pleased with. So the first sacrifice that you give is praise. The next is prayer. Okay, so... We saw in the altar of incense, it's just giving, it's supposed to go through the generations, giving off that incense. That is our prayer. So some of you are asking, prayer, especially the young people, that's boring. But I'd say you, what is prayer? It's just talking to God, talking to him, telling him, oh, I'm just, you know, take some time every morning, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes, just to talk to God. And when you start doing that, I'm telling you, you will be so excited to go there and talk to God. And uh, God will wait for you. God will wait. Oh, so-and-so, Jaren, when Jaren hasn't come yet, he'll be waiting for you. Just calling one name, yeah. Saji, Saji hasn't come yet, the Lord will say. And but, call, but when she comes, oh yeah, my child has come. Just imagine the God of the universe wanting to have that relationship with us always, to talk to him, to pray, to speak to him. So that is the altar of incense. In Revelation, there is an altar. Uh, in Revelation chapter 5, we see uh, in chapter 8, 
verses 3 and 5 to 5 it says then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayer of the saints ascended before god from the angel's hand then the angel took the censer filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth and there were noises thunderings lightnings and an earthquake just imagine the one thing that we can release from here to heaven right now is our prayers and our worship it is incense in his presence and it doesn't stop there we just limit our prayers so much god there the angel he releases it back onto the earth as lightning so it's creating some effect back on the earth so no prayer is in vain every prayer that you have prayed everything that you have cried out it just comes back in some way or the other in some time or the other i i was just saying in the malayalam service even if some of us die our prayers still are alive our prayers are still in the presence of the lord and god will fulfill those prayers god will god is faithful god is faithful to keep his word if those prayers are in accordance to his will so that is the incense that prayer should rise up there is an altar there and our prayers are going up there the next sacrifice that you should give is worship in john chapter 4 we see the conversation of jesus with the samaritan woman and after some time okay they talk a bit and jesus knows a lot about her past and uh, the samaritan woman says you must be a prophet and uh, she says then suddenly she asks a question uh, about worship and from that question comes one of the most profound uh, scriptures about worship so in john chapter 4 verses 21 to 24 jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem worship the father so the time is coming we are not going to have to go there or here to worship because till then the jews had to go to jerusalem the the uh the uh, samaritans had to go to mount gerizim so but he said now that's going to change with me with me what i'm going to do worship is going to change you worship what you do not know we know what we worship for salvation is of the jews but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth so for all the worshipers here all those who love music or even if you can't sing that is no it's not about music also it is about the attitude of your heart and god jesus said the time is coming when you're going to worship in spirit and in truth what does that mean see we're the only beings who have a spirit and only with our spirit can we connect to that spirit God is a spirit and it's the most beautiful connection when we worship we become one with God so that he said you worship in spirit and in truth and what is truth truth is the word of God the complete word of God because without knowing who God is from his word our worship can become distorted so you need to have your worship based on the word of God because from the word of God you understand his nature 
And so when you go through a very difficult time, you know that he is still God. He is still seated on the throne, so he is worthy of worship. Yeah, so that is how you worship in spirit and in truth. So the next, so I said praise, prayer, worship. And then what you have to give is difficult, a total surrender of your life. Yeah, Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Jesus becomes Lord and not just your Savior. So Jesus is asking you, there's an altar here. Can you lay down your life? And it's not easy. Many times I've laid it down and I've taken it back. About five minutes later, the Lord says, no, keep it back. You may be giving some areas of your life to the Lord, but some areas you say, no, God, don't enter those areas. Those are my struggles. It may be an addiction. It may be some relationship which is so difficult to deal with. And the Lord is saying, every area, give it to me. Lay it on the altar. When you give that, that is your pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. There's nothing more greater than giving. And the thing is, when you give your life, Oh my, it's so beautiful to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. Because he can just use you the way he wants to. It's so much better than our plans. So it's not, it's nothing to be scared or fearful of. We can trust him. So you need to surrender. Because in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking even now, even in this service, just because you've come here, it doesn't mean that you've totally committed to him. The Lord is looking. How many of you have committed yourself totally to him? And if you haven't, just tell the Lord, Lord, I want to give you more. I want to give you this area. This is one area I'm struggling with. I want to give you it. Commit yourself totally to the Lord, for the Lord is looking for such people. And so that's a place of surrender. Next, we can give what we have. It's not how talented you are, but can you give what you have? In Mark chapter 14, there's a, uh, Jesus goes to uh, Simon the leper's house and he's having dinner there. And a woman comes there and she takes an alabaster jar and op- opens it and he, she just pours out the oil on his head and anoints him. And what a beautiful sacrifice. And all the other disciples says, this is so expensive. This is such a waste. But Jesus says in verses 8 and 9, she has done what she could. Just say that. She has done what she could. Can you do what you can for the Lord? The Lord is not asking you to do what I do or what any other one else does or someone who is famous in, you know, in sharing the gospel or whatever, or evangelist. But the Lord is saying, can you do what you can. She he said, she can do, she is doing, she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Just imagine, I would have loved to be in that place. Everyone would have come to know me, you know. Huh? But she just knew what to do. She just did what she knew to do. Don't look at the, uh, you know, don't, you know, uh, judge the way, the the rewards based on the world standards. 
because god's standards are very different even when you give your offering you can it's maybe just easy to give your regular offering but even in that saying that lord i give it to you because i have the health this last month to work and i give it to you as an offering of my love so when you offer things or when you give your tithe don't give it so casually this is give what you can with your heart and so you have to so that is our personal altar so what do you give on your personal altar you give praise you give prayer you give worship you give your life and you give what you can and i just pray as a church that we will be people who build up that personal altar who will be willing to give everything and when you build that personal altar others will look at you and say you're different they will say you won't have to say anything much they'll know that you're different because the, the way you act the way you walk the way you talk will be different so build your personal altar and the next thing is you need to build your family altar so yeah you need to pray together you need to stand together we as a family uh usually when the kids were at home every morning and evening we'll pray with them in the morning and evening morning they'll be hurry, in a hurry to go to school but even if it's 5 minutes pray and then send them out of the door to go and face the world and even in the evening when they come we come and pray together uh even now my husband and i we pray both times together knowing that there is so much power in a family altar so there are a number of families where probably one person is strong in the faith and they feel okay i can pray alone i'm better probably my spouse doesn't know how to pray the way i do but that's not the way even if you pray just 5 minutes together that is going to be more powerful on some issues especially relating to your family than half an hour that you pray alone so i encourage you if you don't have the family altar to let it burn and i know it's very difficult when the kids are small because exactly when you sit to pray they will start crying they will fidget they will be hungry you'll have 100 things to do but the lord is saying build that altar the children will know that this is the most valuable thing for you that altar because in that altar you can go through any difficult situation in our family altar i've received healings we have seen healings in our family we've seen miracles we've seen so many great things and it is just us it was not the pastor praying over us or someone in the church praying it was us together standing together on the family altar and just raising up the name of jesus so you need to build the family altar and i have a uh, a neighbor who just loves the lord and i i can hear their family altar every time at 9 o'clock i know you know the voices come and through my kitchen window i hear the voice and i'm encouraged oh the family altar is burning there let me burn it here too such an encouragement over the years i've heard without fail that family altar burning of my friend and i just think that such an encouragement i believe because of their prayer there is a change in the land there is a change in our colony we are believing for great things in our colony when we you know burn the altar so burn the family altar see when you burn the family altar what happens uh, in hebrews 12 verse 22 to 24 but you have come to mount zion and to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels when you sit together in prayer it's not just the four of you or the five of you 
innumerable angels are there and the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to the God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So that is what is happening when you build the family altar. The angels are there. God is present. The Holy, the Jesus is also there as the intercessor. The Holy Spirit is helping us and it comes in the presence of the Lord in his, before the golden altar and your prayers are answered. So build the family altar. And next, don't stop there. There is an altar for the ecclesia. When the Jews uh, were exiled to Babylon, they, and they, after some time, they were allowed to come back. Come back and build the temple. So the time of King Cyrus, he'd sent the Jews back, some of the Jews back. They came back to Jerusalem to build the temple. But what did they build first? They built the altar first. And then only they built the temple. They restored worship in Jerusalem. And then they built the temple. In Ezra chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, Then Jeshua, the son of Josadic, and his brethren, the priest, and Serubabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Though fear had come upon them, so they were fearful, uh, because of the people of those countries, they set the altar on its basis, and they offered burnt offerings on, to, on it to the Lord both morning and evening, burnt offerings. So they were fearful. They were scared. But they said, no, this is the right way. We're going to start with restoring worship. So as an ecclesia, we need to rise up in worship. The Lord hears the cry of the land. See, when the Israelites were in captivity and they started crying, when it was the right time, the Lord said, I hear the cry of the Israelites. They are struggling and I'm going to set them free. Yeah? So here's the cry of the land. Nowadays, when you look at the papers, you see that there's so much evil, so much wrongdoing happening around you. But what should we do? We as the ecclesia need to raise the cry of worship, the cry of prayer over the land so that voice will be louder than the voice of evil. Yeah? Um, in, in the midst of this darkness. You know how Elijah, he, there was a time where there was so much going wrong in the kingdom of Israel. And Elijah, he built an altar. He, he told the, the prophets of Baal, you, okay, you build that altar and we'll build, I'll build an altar and see if God responds with fire. And we know the story how God responded when Elijah called out to the Lord with fire. So when we build that altar of worship, there's a change in the land. War, there is a war for worship. We need to recognize that we are engaged in war with a powerful enemy to determine who will receive our worship. Satan, our adversary, has one goal. Stop the Lord's people from building an altar to worship him. The Lord sent Moses with a clear message to Pharaoh. Let my people go that they may worship me. So we know that here, actually, when we speak, speak about spiritual warfare, it is more the war about worship. When we lift up the name of Jesus over the land, strongholds come down. And the name of, when we have influence, heaven opens over the land. Things change. So in history, you see, 
there was a revival, uh, the Moravian revival in 1727, where a group of people came from Czechoslovakia, a small community of simple people, and they went to Germany. They fled from from uh, that place and they came to Germany and they formed a community there. And their leader, who was a German, Count von Sinsender, he, he encouraged them to pray together. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him. The verse Leviticus 6.13 Fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It is not to go out. And he took that verse and he believed, he knew that this fire of the altar signified the prayer of the saints. So they started a 24-hour prayer. And do you know how many people were there? Just 24 people to start the 24-hour prayer. And then slowly the children joined in and they became part of the prayer. And this 24-hour prayer lasted for 100 years. Wow. And from that revival, many missionaries were sent. In the next 25 years, 200 missionaries were sent into every part of the world, places where no one would go. And their motto was, if no one will work unless someone prays. So no one goes ahead unless people are there here to pray. So always the work of God should be built on the altar, the altar of worship and praise. We need to go out, but we need to have that altar of worship and prayer. We are the royal priesthood. We need to keep the altar burning for God. In Revelation it says, we are the kings and priests. So our, my challenge today for each one of you is, can we build this altar? Can you take the decision to build your personal altar for the Lord? Can you take the decision to build your family altar? Can you take the decision to build the altar of our ecclesia? Every Friday, we come here from 7 to 9. We worship and intercede for the nation. Come here and pray. We are lifting up our voice to the Lord. We are building an altar for him that his name may be glorified. Let the fire and the altar burn. This is my prayer. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Lord. I just commit this word in your hands. I know this word is from you. This is a word that you've put on our hearts as a church for the last few years, not just today. That worship and intercession would arise from our church. Worship to the living God, that our life would be a pleasing sacrifice to you. So Lord, I just pray that each one here will commit to that. I just call on you today. If you have, God has spoken to you today to build your personal altar, or to build your family altar, just raise up your hands before the Lord. Not for me, before the Lord. Raise up your hand before the Lord and let the Lord see that your commitment to build your personal altar, to build your family altar, to build the altar of the ecclesia. Right now, just a few people have raised their hand. Just that, God has only spoken to three people. Let me see, let me see. The Lord has spoken to many. The Lord has spoken to many. And when you, you know, you raising your hand is not for anyone else to see. It is between you and God. Tell the Lord. But some of you may be thinking, I tried to pray. I tried to do this, but I'm never able to. But the Lord is saying, I will help you. I will help you. If you take this decision to build the altar, I will make it burn. I will enable you to let it burn. 
So I just pray right now for all those who have lifted their hands and those in their hearts who have spoken to you, that you will enable them to let the altar burn. That their personal altars will come alive. The times of worship, the times of prayer, the times of reading the word will come alive, Lord. Will come alive, will come alive, will come alive. Oh, visit us, Lord. We will have encounters with you, Lord. That as a family, they will have precious times where the children see the God of the fathers. The children understand who this God is. We won't have to explain to them. The children will know without mistake that this is the Lord God Almighty, our Father Lord. And even as an ecclesia, as we rise up, that if a person who doesn't know you comes here, they will know that the altar is burning here. And they will come because of this altar, not because of anyone preaching, but because the altar burns here. Abba Father enable us to do that. And I believe we're going to enter into a season of such worship and intercession. I release that over the church like we've never seen before. New songs are arising. New prayers are arising over the land. Open heavens. Open heavens over this land. Things are going to change. People will be drawn because of this river of worship and intercession that arises from this place. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for what you've been doing over these years. Thank you, Lord, because we're not going to limit you. This altar will burn so brightly for the next number of years. Let it be a hundred years. Let till you come. If not, till you return. Let this altar burn, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.